My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce our returning guest, Greg Trainer, co-host of the Accessible Hunter podcast with Mike Hudson. He also runs the Accessible Hunter Facebook page. Greg was guest number two way back in February of 2022. So if you haven't seen that, uh, heard that episode, sorry, and you don't see it, that was way back when. Uh, you guys can go back and look it up. Episode number two. Welcome to back to the show, Greg. It's been a while. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on again, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I know it's been a very, very long time. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're getting up there, and time time just goes quick anymore for me. I I know it seems yep. like January first, and now we're almost you know in in January December. January first again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been oh, see, I'm trying to do the math here because February of 2022 over. Okay, we're just gonna say almost a year and twelve months, a year and ten months, I believe. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So, what have you been up to as of recently? Well, uh, recently, uh, here I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm in southwestern PA, and um, we uh, our, our family bought a small small farm, so we did that in June, and um, that was you know really exciting. So. We got 13 acres now that we kind of play around with, and that's been a really exciting time the last six months for us. Um, nice. Did a little bit of archery hunting uh, starting in October, and that just uh, finished up. Um, got to go out a little bit, a couple of days, and had some really good encounters with some whitetail. Uh, also seen a couple of fox and coyotes, and it's uh, really, really exciting having my own land now. I've Never had that before where I could put up a ground blind and leave it and, you know, have some cameras on it and see what was going on. So it's been an exciting six months, and I'm really looking forward to next year. I I think we'll have such a really good season next year. That's good. You going to do any rifle hunting or muzzleloader this year? Well, uh, this is uh, actually our second, second week of rifle starting here in PA. I, I shot in my, my rifle the day after Thanksgiving, but I haven't um, haven't been out hunting with it yet. Uh, I've continued to have some pretty bad health concerns. I've got a yeah. bad bad pressure sore that's been limiting me and some other issues. So I did get out a lot for archery, a lot more than I thought I would, but I haven't been out rifle hunting, but I'm hoping to get out at least one day. I've been seeing some bucks on camera, but unfortunately they're, they're coming in uh, after after dark at like six o'clock, six thirty in the evening, still um, yeah. got a couple of nice bucks on the property, but haven't seen them in daylight yet, either in person when I'm down there or or on camera. Well, here's hoping season's still going. Uh, when when does your season end? Uh, I think we got one more week, and then yeah. uh, it'll come in after uh, after Christmas. There's a couple of days for archery and muzzleloader. Um, so there's, you know, a couple more opportunities for me anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Your seasons are different than ours because I know for us, archery goes the entire three month period. And then we get firearms in November mm-hmm. and then muzzleloader in December and that's it. And we've got, uh, what they call wildlife management units. So we have different seasons in the state that start at different times before it becomes statewide. So you have to kind of pay attention to what area you're hunting and what rules and regulations, you know, Um, like 2B, for instance, I believe comes in like two weeks early and then there's youth season and all that kind of stuff too. So uh, it's good to, you know, pay attention to where you're at and and what date it is. Yeah, definitely. I always just pay attention to, October 1st. Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy that first weekend in October. Uh, I, it's probably my favorite time of year to hunt is 
to be in the woods in October when the weather's still nice and just the smell of the leaves. And, you know, I, I don't think you can beat Pennsylvania in October for some of the best hunting in the, in the country. I, I know a lot of I'm people like, like the rut of November, but uh, I like the warm, warm weather of October. I'm going to go and argue say Indiana's better, but that's just because I'm a biased Hoosier. That's right. You got got to go go with the home state. Uh, yep. I, I grew up hunting here whenever I was 12, and I've hunted a couple of different states over the years and things, but I just really enjoy Pennsylvania. I, I think we got a pretty good variety of, you know, turkeys yeah. and uh, white-tailed deer and small game, and I, I just enjoy hunting hunting local anymore. Yeah. I know that feeling on that. I'm a well. I I haven't gone out out of state yet, so I'm still just biased off of that one. But what one of the states that I really enjoy hunting out of state is Maryland, the Eastern Shore. If you ever get an opportunity to go out that way, that's an awesome hunt. They've they got some large whitetail, and uh, I don't know if you've ever did a like a Sitka uh, hunt or. I was thought like I thought I remember hearing about Sitka off of the coast of Maryland. Yeah, they. They have them in the eastern shore there. I've never never gotten one myself, but that's a big I heard dream those, of mine. I heard they're swamp they're swamp uh, dwellers. They are. Uh, they're 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 in in the swampy areas on on the coast there, and you know they're almost. I always think of them like little elk with the roaring and and that kind yeah. of thing. You know. So, what do you think you would take to get into there to hunt with them? Would you take a tractor, or would you take a coyote or the uh good lord off the top of my head i've talked to the guy i've talked about it train hopper oh the train hopper yeah i i would i would take my my track chair uh yeah i i've gone through some pretty deep water in maryland a really good friend of mine uh matt seep as he invited me down a couple of years in a row and i've hunted you know maryland with uh, ricky mills out of wild jaeger too and believe it or not, the, the track chair, I've had it in about four or five inches of water going back and then hunting uh, ground blinds on like little little sections of islands that were yeah. surrounded by kind of swamp. And uh, those track chairs and all the track style chairs, they, they all go through that pretty pretty well. Sweet. Well, yeah, tracks actually would probably be better for swamp suiting anyways, suited for swamps anyways because of the track. And, won't get stuck in the mud as well and the train hopper from from thinking of it right it's almost like a four-wheeled mountain bike um i'd have to uh, i'd have to get into it different um actually no? i believe the uh, train hopper i believe is like a walmart shopping cart from style where you're sitting like that okay that's the basis for the seat anyways but no the wheels are big beefy and wide so I'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah. I, I know I've seen a couple of, of different models, but yeah. for, for me to get transferred and things, and then I've got to be concerned about doing weight shifts. So I yeah. I need, you know, tilt and recline on, on a track style base. Uh, that, yeah. That's so important. I know the Outrider Coyote, and I've my uh, buddy of mine, uh, Chad Waligura, that's what I'm thinking of the outrider. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the coyote. That's got a slightly reclined position with the bike style tires. Yep. And those, I think, in my from just my outside perspective, no, nobody needs to take it seriously. I think that works well for like that long haul mountain style hunting. Yeah. For like spot and stalking because the low profile, the tires are set you know, differently. You can go over certain debris, open space sort of thing. It's quiet and 17 miles to the battery, one wow. battery. So that's a heck of a range. Uh, so you got two batteries on that thing and my math, I'm just going to round up because that's 34 miles. Wow. That's a heck of a range. Uh, I know with the, the track style chairs, they, they say, you know, with, the regular gel batteries in them, it's about an eight mile uh, radius or, or longevity. But um, is is your hunting in colder weather and different terrains and things? I never really want to push it all, all that far. 
no, you want to have some battery to get back to camp. It, exactly. I always err on the, the side of caution. And, you know, as a, as a quadriplegic, I, I've been hurt 24 years and you find out what works for, for you, but you have to be open and willing to try new things. But uh, I, I, I enjoy the track style uh, wheelchairs. So what would be your go-to for, uh, you know, the t- style of tra- chair other than a track chair? What would you go-to be? Well, um, believe it or not, I've got a Permobile uh, F5 that I got about, it's gone on almost 18 months. And um, at first, I wouldn't recommend the chair. I had a lot of a lot of problems with it Uh the suspension wasn't adjusted right, but um, the technicians came out and adjusted the suspension on it. A Permobil F5, it's it's a power wheelchair, it's a front wheel drive chair. And um, after they adjusted the suspension, this thing goes really well, uh, you know, through grass and uh, as long as it's a solid, solid base. Now, anything soft or muddy or anything like that, uh, I'm not going to be able to get into, but if it's if it's a fairly solid uh, grass, you know, run up to my like at, at the farm where where I go up to my ground blind, I can hunt out of my permo bill, believe it or not, which makes things so much easier because I don't have to do an extra transfer. Somebody doesn't have to transfer me an extra two times out of my everyday chair in, into my hunting chair. So I'd, I'd say you know if you could set up your everyday power chair or if you're in a manual chair. Uh, whatever you usually use that you're comfortable with, any chair could be made into a off-road hunting chair if if you got enough uh, determination, I guess. Yeah, I'd say just by wanting to play with it, I just go with the, the uh, Coyote Outrider because I don't know, you get to lay back and treat it like it's a lawn mower, really, with the uh, dual stick. I, I think if I had the hand function to to use it, uh, I know uh, I know you know Chad is is a is a big proponent of it, and if he endorses it, it's got to be good. I mean, he's not going to endorse something just for an endorsement. So, um, yeah. if if Chad says it's it's the you know best thing in the outdoors for for him and and uh, pairs and above, uh, or even even some quads, because we all have different movement. You know, then, then I, I think that'd be a good move. Yeah. I'd like to try it, but I, I don't know about with weight shifts and things. I've got to be so careful with this pressure sore that I'm, I'm trying to relieve pressure all the time. That's one of my, my big things stopping me this year hunting is even in a ground blind, you know, trying to go back every 15 minutes, you're, you're almost spooking game. Um, it, it just something I got to got to do right now. Yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do, pretty much, and hopefully you can get to doing some other things. I know uh, Hunt to Heal up in Michigan, he has an entire, with Carson Neinheis, he has a complete area, you know, devoted to that sort of thing, and, you know, they got blinds and they got everything works well. Oh, yeah, they, they built a heck of a lodge up there. I've only seen pictures of it, but it looks beautiful. I mean, they, they've done a you know top-notch job on setting everything up, and people yeah. that go up and hunt with him, they, they don't have enough good things to say about him. I mean, he's he's going going about things the right way and, and helping people with disabilities get out, out in the indoors. And that's, that's what we're all about, man. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, at least. So what what have you done over the past year other than acquired the land? Well, uh, believe it or not, I uh, started to do a little bit of uh, like shooting with my crossbow at different distances, but kind of making up little games with it. Uh, I did a charity shoot this year, and uh, they were shooting ping pong balls that were floating. Have, have you ever seen seen one of those shoots? No, I have not. What what they what they do is they they paint a uh, ping pong ball half of it black and half of it white, and then they attach this PVC tubing to a uh, shop vac that blows air, 
and it suspends that um, ping pong oh, yeah. ball in the air. And because it's spinning, you know, black and white, it's kind of hard to hard to see. And uh, we were shooting it at 24 yards. So I was I was trying to make one of those for down at the farm to uh, do a couple of games like that to uh, break up my shooting routine. Yeah. And uh, I I was I was pretty successful at it. I I think that's kind of neat to shoot ping pong balls anymore. Oh, well, that's good. At least I mean, definitely have to keep the uh, skill up and running you got to shoot the bow every so often you know e- even during the season I, I like to shoot i mean i uh i always shoot my bow at the end of the evening i know the newer crossbows have the the, the ability to crank it down and you know yeah. uh, not fire it but for me personally i enjoy shooting my bow and at the end of the evening if i don't get a shot i just shoot into my bag and i, yeah. I know if my you know bow is still on or not so uh I, I was doing a, a lot of shooting in, in the summer with my crossbow down at the farm, and we've got uh, blueberries and, and apple trees and peach trees and that kind of thing, and we're, we're kind of doing some planning for some food plots in the spring, and I'm going to try to get ready for turkey season down there too. Yeah, that'll definitely give you a lot more room. I mean, especially with the planned food, you'll be able to attract a plethora of wild game, oh, def- as you said turkey deer definitely i mean we're, we're seeing a lot of wild turkey we're seeing seeing a lot of white-tailed deer i've actually th- this was the first time i could put up a blind and leave it so that deer actually got used to it and yeah. i had i had doe literally you know three feet from my blind this year i mean i could see their eyelashes it was just so cool to experience that and um i was using I don't know if you've heard of Barnett blinds, Baronet blinds. Yeah, I think I've heard of them. I, I was using their high five blind this year, and it's just so spacious, and it's see-through on, on three sides. Now, of wow. course, being a quad, I can only set up my wheelchair and, and, and hunt, you know, one one little window. I can see deer to the left or right of me, but i got to wait for them to walk into that one, window. Because yeah. if I turn my chair on to move, well, the, the game's up, you know. But – I, I had deer so close to me this year. It was amazing. Yeah. It's a shame they don't have it like a silent motor system. Like it just like, like really slowly zero turns it in that general direction. So you're not even moving at all. It's just the whole thing just rotates. Well, so some folks have actually made like a lazy Susan yeah. and, and, you know, put it on a platform and have somebody rotate them in a ground blind. Um, especially if, if they're like in a manual chair, that's yeah. an idea. But for me in, in my track chair or my power chair, if I turn my chair on, you'll, you'll kind of hear my motors engage here. Hang on. Hang on one second. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear that click. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's just the click of the motors engaging. Whenever oh, those man. tracks move, I mean, you're, you're spooking everything around you. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get a single thing. No, nah, you have you have to really hunt, hunt a zone and and just wait wait for those deer to to come into it or or turkey to come into it. it it's one of the great things about hunting with a bow is you're going to get close, but sometimes it can be frustrating. Yeah, I know that. I was in my hunting blind this year, waiting on a buck to show up. I got in late for hunting this year in terms of. I didn't really feel like going for early October or whatnot, and I had other things I was doing, so I just decided to not, you know, engage till a little bit later. I wasn't seeing much action on the trail cam I got out, so I had no reservations about it, but then I started seeing more deer, more bucks, so I got out finally, and I'm reading something, I think it was an email, and I look up. There's a two-year-old doe looking at me. Hey, hey come in silent, man. And if, if you're if you're looking down, I know a lot of guys read in, in a blind or read in a mm-hmm. stand. And you kind of look up and there's deer around you and you're like, man, I, I don't know how they come in so quiet, but they do. Yeah. And then you got to deal with that. So she's snorting a little bit. She's stomping at me. And then, so she takes off. And... I remember vaguely she 
came back around and started looking at me again. She was within 20 yards. And so I'm like, okay, she made the cardinal sin. She was and blown, so blown and snorting at you. I took aim. I'm giving her a full movement. She can see somebody's moving in there and enough. And I'm aiming at her finally. She hauls off and goes out of 70, 80 yards. She's out of range. She literally goes to the next property. You can't see her. She can't see me. So I bring out my Phelps game call, uh, Buck Run, the Beta Pro. And I Buck Run to see, you know, she's gone. I didn't see nothing. She didn't do the super <laughs> sound, thank God. So lo and behold, guess who comes back with a Buck Run? No kidding. 20 yards sideways. Wow. This bolt shot through her scapula. You, you know, if, if they don't if they don't see you, if they just kind of suspect something's there, they yeah. might run off and, and circle back around. But I've kind of had that experience too, where initially I thought, oh, this doe busted me. You know, she she stomps the ground. They're doing the head tilt, trying to get you to move. Then they they run off. But if, if they come back. Uh, you know, you, you get a second opportunity at them. So I'm, I'm glad you you filled your tag and filled your freezer. Yeah. Well, technically it was a third opportunity. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Third, third time's the charm. Well, yeah. Then about a week and some odd days later, I ended up getting a 10-point buck. So. Wow. Congratulations, same, man. Yeah. Same bolt, too, that went through the scapula. No kidding, you used the same bolt? Same bolt and broadhead. Wow. So I, sw I switched over to these exact archery broadheads, and these are high-quality steel broadheads. And, yeah, they took the abuse of bone and killed two deer with it. Now I can't find the bolt, but... Hey, that's a pretty good testament right there, though. You take two deer, a doe, and a nice 10-point with the same bolt and the same broadhead. That's That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I'll say. Huh. I mean, Heck yeah. You couldn't do that. I, my, the, the words I went with was muzzy broadheads because that's what my father-in-law got me in on. Well, I did like, you know, you try and dispatch an animal with it thinking, okay, it's a broadhead. It's got a nice trocar tip, which is supposed to be the bone crushing thing. Thing won't even pierce through hide. Wow. So it, it's a fixed blade then yep. that you're shooting, right? Yep, so there's uh, the new, the, the exact archery ones are a four blade with a cross section almost with, you know, one primary blade and then the secondary blade underneath it pretty much. Like a, almost like a bleeder blade kind uh, of deal? Not certain on that. I don't get too much in the details on that. All I know is it's like, you know, four bladed broadhead. And... So, sounds like it does the job, man. Yep. I, I, know, I know I've always used mechanical heads you know different 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 styles different models and yeah. they're, they're all one and done i mean we could never reuse a, a mechanical at least at least in my experience i mean some guys probably do if, if you yeah. get a you know if you get the right shot you probably can but i've never been able to use the same broadhead on on two deer so that's, yeah that, that's an accomplishment yeah that's why i'm kind of liking the fixed blade broadheads versus the mechanical ones yeah. they are gonna be reusable because they're not, there's not a lot of moving parts. There's nothing that can go unless you have a catastrophic failure. Sure. Or you hit something that's hard enough to bend steel. That that's definitely one of the selling points for the fixed blade. Mm -hmm. You know, they they can punch through things, and there's not a lot that can go wrong. Uh, sometimes with the mechanical, it doesn't open properly, or or what have you, or bends, or you know. So there's there's pluses and minuses to everything. I, I think it's what you're you're comfortable with and what you like to shoot. Uh, yeah. I, I never like to blame a broadhead for you know not recovering a, a deer. I always think no. it's it's shot placement. But mm -hmm. uh, I guess some some guys have problems with broadheads. I mean, you, you just you never know. It's par for the course. It really is. I I but. know whenever I start limiting my my distance my recovery rate goes up quite a bit, you know, and when I, when I first started archery hunting, even before my disability, uh, 
I, I, I took shots that maybe I shouldn't have been taking because I was excited and you know yeah. glad to, glad to be out hunting and uh, thought I you could s- thought I could do it. But yeah, I, you see that one shot, you're like, okay, that's good enough, and then you come to find out that wasn't the good enough shot. Right, and as as I get older, I, I get a lot more picky on on what I'm going to do. I mean, I could have shot you know several doe this year, but I was holding out for a buck, and uh, I, I think my patience has gone up quite a bit in the last couple of years anyway. Yeah, so you're not going to be trying for a doe this year, or are you going to do that later in the season? I, I won't say that I that I don't want to take a doe may, maybe in the second season if I get out, but um, on the property, I'm, I'm just trying to see what's out there and kind of keep the deer around there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I might take a doe during the second second season, but... I've had opportunities to take them. I, I just haven't yet. Yeah. I, well, I, I did have a lot of fun shooting my rifle, though, the, the day mm-hmm. after uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not a real big rifle rifle shooter. Uh, I always prefer the crossbow, but uh, I was shooting really well. And if, if I get a nice day to get out and I'm feeling good, I, I might try to get my wife or my brother out and go sit yeah. in the ground blind and see what walks by. Well, you always got muzzleloader season, too, so... I, I don't muzzle load or hunt anymore. Um, yeah. when, whenever I was younger, it was flintlock only. Oh, no, no kidding. Yeah. And uh, I had a Traditions 50 caliber. And, mm. uh, man, I was a terrible shot at that thing. Uh, I wore contact lenses. And I don't know if you've shot flintlocks before. No, you, I have not. Well, you have that big flash. Yeah. And uh, then there's like a delay. And you got all this smoke, and then the thing goes off. So I, I was just not the best shot at a muzzle loader, but it was cool to go with my buddies a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, after my injury, I actually gave it to another quadriplegic, and he loves it. He shoots that thing like there's no tomorrow. He's <laughs> he's a marksman with it, and I couldn't hit crap with it. So it was all user error. Yeah. Now your setup is is your setup the sip and puff or is it a different style? It is. I I use the be adaptive sip and puff. And um, for people that aren't familiar with it, what it is, is it's a little actuator that fits into the trigger guard. It's almost like an electric uh, car door opener that yeah. whenever you suck on a straw, it uh, act, it uh, activates that activator. And it, it lets the gun go off. It's, you know, in a split second, it works really well. And it's battery operated. I plug that into my track chair or plug that mm-hmm. into my uh, everyday wheelchair. And I've been using the Be Adaptive Sip and Puff for years with, with no issues whatsoever. Yeah, I'd say uh, the flash of that muzzle loader won't a muzzle loader won't get uh, not muzzle loader flint lock. Do you guys have muzzle loader and flint lock, or is they? We we have both in PA now. We can use inline muzzle mm-hmm. loaders. I forget you know when they changed that. It's been a while ago that you could use the inline muzzle mm-hmm. loader. And from what I understand, those those things are really super accurate, and they use the uh, caps, so you don't get any of the the flash. You know, it's almost like a rifle going off. Yeah, I got last year. It was a Traditions muzzle loader. It's a brake action, so you load the ball and the powder in the front, and then pop it open uh, on the back end, and you, you just put in the cap. Close it up like it's a shot, a single shot shotgun. It's ready. I want to get a nitrifier. Now, what's the nitrifier? So essentially, all the nitrifier is is you put the round down the chamber, and there's like a little shelf in there, and then you open it up like a breech loader, and you have an entire encapsulated uh, thing with the primer and the shot and a piece of plastic that acts as, you know, it's encapsulated, so it's got one way to go. And so it's got the powder and primer on it. You close it up, and it's ready to go. So for a second shot, you'd be able to get that off fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean, you you shoot, okay, put the new round in, push it all the way down, pull it out, open it up, put a new uh, powder and primer load in, Boom. Don't have to worry about them. Oh, hey, I didn't get anything. Open it up. Pull the primer powder load out. 
you can leave the bullet in there or take the ramrod, push it back out. I, I know, you know, a lot of reenactors are very quick at reloading flintlocks and things. We've, we've been to a couple of uh, festivals this year, covered bridge yeah. festivals, and you see some of the reenactors, they can get off a shot in maybe like 15 or 20 seconds, whereas whenever I was loading that, that flintlock, it took me forever to measure, have the measured powder down the, down the barrel, then the yeah. patch, the ball, then the frizzing pan. I mean, it was a whole process to get that thing going. And then you were lucky if it went off whenever you wanted to shoot it anyway. Yeah. I got the inlines, and I'm as slow as you are with that. Wow. <laughs> and you got to put a lot of pressure on there, make sure it's all compacted, all, you know. You, you know, though, it's, it's good to take your time and be safe on something like that because yeah. it, it's not, uh, at least for me, it's not an easy thing to to kind of go through all that. And if, if you're taking your time, what do they say, you know, smooth, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just take, take your time and do it right. Yeah. It's a uh, form over function. Uh, f- no, form. yeah. Form and function over speed because then you'll get faster over time. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I'd kind of like the nitro fire, but in my state, they classify it as a firearm instead of a muzzle loader. Which well, makes sense. Yeah, and you know that there, there's a lot of people that, with with certain seasons, like you always have the traditional archers that complain about the compounds, and the compound users complain about crossbows. And I mean, it to me, any any style weapon that you want to go out in the woods with and hunt mm-hmm. ethically. I mean, the idea is to harvest deer cleanly and ethically, and yeah. I'm all for any any method that does that, that you're accurate and, uh, you know, proficient in, in the weapon of your choice choice. Yeah. I know I was looking up videos cause I saw this is about a year back or so, maybe longer. It was, you know, deer hunting with spears and what turned me off was a guy made a homemade spear out of a piece of rebar. And I mean, yeah, it was, it did its job, but it didn't do the job as efficiently as a double lung. Right. And, and something like that, you know, there might be a small percentage of guys that are extremely accurate with the spear that, you know, know mm-hmm. their limitations on yardage, all of that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I wouldn't like to see that uh, be, be the standard. I, I don't think that's, uh, Good, good on accuracy for a lot of people. That I, well, to me, I just I'm, I'm with you. Well, for them, it, for the spirit was basically bait them below because it was a baiting, you know, situation. And then he's up high on a little platform and he drops it down in, which that's cool for bear if you got the right style. But and and I'm I'm sure it's effective for some people. I mm-hmm. I, I don't ever see. You know, well, being a quad, it's not possible, but as an able-bodied person, I don't think I would be interested in doing it. But if somebody's able to do it ethically and, and make a clean kill at it and they're able to bait legally in their state, you know, that's that, yeah. that's up to them, I guess, to make that decision. Well, yeah. So what do you see yourself doing with the property over the next few years? You, I know you saw talking about adding to it and we're going to get off the property eventually but yeah i'm jealous oh i'm just tickled to death uh you know to have an opportunity to do that with the family and we're going to put in some more apple trees some of the trees are a little bit older and and dying off and we need to prune them that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. uh it's kind of funny my wife and i for christmas this year we both said we're we're buying apple trees for each other in the spring so we're not doing a gift exchange uh, at Christmas, we're going to be buying apple trees. Um, so we're going to do that and maybe put yeah. in a couple of gardens and, and maybe some food plots, uh, put in maybe some radishes and turnips, that kind of thing. Um, I'd, I'd really like to put in some sunflowers, too, for, for doves and just the other other wildlife and birds and things. I think sunflowers are so pretty, and I'd like to have a couple of sections of sunflowers. And uh, I know that sounds crazy, but... Anything a couple we can of do morning to, dove shots. 
Yeah, it, but anything we can do to improve the, the habitat around the, the property there, it's going to be a long-term thing. It's not, Nothing's going to be fixed overnight, and yeah. it's going to be a long-term process. Now, you said it's an actual farm, right? So it actually has well, this building. No, we, we, we just call it the farm. Uh, it, it's it's just a old an old farmhouse that was built in 1850, and uh, we've got apple, apple orchards and blueberries and that kind of thing. We just call it the farm. It's... It's basically just a small, small piece of land. Well, I know a guy that builds uh, ground lines that are literally industrial in style and customizable to boot. You could literally probably put a wood burner in there, and it fits a four. It's got a forty-two inch wide door. That's awesome. the The ground blinds that people are building right now just amaze me. I mean, they're they're like hunting cabins themselves. Yeah, that's some of them, some of them have solar, uh, you know, for for electric lights, uh, all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, one of the big things I always use, and I, I just started using it maybe about five years ago, is the Mister Heater Buddy. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never be cold in a ground blind again. Those, those things I, are amazing. I keep forgetting to bring them out. It, they 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 are so effective, Sean. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't like to be cold because then my muscles start to pull up and it yeah. even limits more of my mobility. So whenever we put that uh, little heater on on low, we can run that in the afternoon from about three to seven and I stay toasty warm. And as I said, I, I've had deer four feet away and it didn't spook them. I was always under the impression that heaters spook deer and going back to my, my friend Matt, he said, you know, trainer, I use them all the time, and yeah. it's, it's not a problem. So we started using them in Maryland, and, and I'll, I'll never go hunting in, in the cold without them. Yeah. I got the little buddy heater, and I know it'll be able to cover the blind even when it's got what it has. But, yeah, I'm just like, do I want to bring it now? No, nope, can't bring it now. Sure. Now it's kind of pointless because I don't have a, a portable ground blind that I can use. And I've gotten my two dote, my two deer tags with the archery, so right. now I can only utilize muzzleloader, which is on public land. Yeah, well, I imagine you'll do a lot of spot and stock and and still hunting with your muzzleloader, huh? Uh we'll see what I do, but yeah, you, when I'm going to go hunting, it has it's public land and it's got a lot of uh, it's on a reservoir, so it's got a lot of fjords and everything, and these deer love those areas my father-in-law's went on there too many times being able to hunt public land is such a blessing i mean i know probably a lot of your listeners live in areas that don't have the access to public land that maybe you and i do pennsylvania has a lot of public hunting public access and that Mm -hmm. is just so important for people that can't afford a lease or don't have property i mean Mm -hmm. i have i have a lot of friends that you know, pretty much exclusively hunt public land because they, they can't get access. Yeah. Well, I know that there's some things, but I haven't been on public land a little bit. So I know I was trying to do, when I first started hunting back when my son was one, I set up on this area where I had actually shot a buck, but, you know, lost him due to my own negligence and, inexperience and so next year i came back to that very spot and to say things had changed it was dramatic change so going on there and you're thinking oh my spot's gonna be the exact same as it was last year no it's not right yep it it depends on who gets there first how many hunters what's going on that day one of the big things you have to be be flexible on, on, on public land, you know, you can start out with the best plan in the morning, but you mm-hmm. show up there and your plan might change. Yeah. I know I so went on that public land that I'm going to be hunting for Turkey. And I went back in this one area and I saw a trail cam and a, tr- and a uh, ladder stand still back there. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't belong there. Do, do you use Onyx? Uh, or are you able to like pinpoint stuff like that, and then you know yeah, let, I just, let, let people know that, that need to know about it? I didn't have Onyx at that time. 
when I got on X around June of this past year. So, yeah, when I went back there, I couldn't have told you where exactly it was. So, unfortunate. I I wish I wish Onyx would have been around, you know, from 20 years ago. I've I've been turned around a couple of times in the woods, turkey hunting and deer hunting, and man, I I love using Onyx now, not only yeah. for for hunting but for scouting scouting and stuff too. You know, it's, yeah, it's a great tool. Yeah, I know. I used it for when my cousin and I went dove hunting this year. We were at this one place that we had never went to before for dove. And we got everything set up. We walked out to our area. I set out a marker for it. I set out a marker for where we were parked. And it just worked. And then I also calculated how many miles we walked going to and from. That's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing, thing about using Onyx, it's like anything else. You know, use it in the off-season. Get good with it. Practice, you know, putting in your waypoints where mm-hmm. your blinds are at and things like that and become familiar with it. I think some sometimes people think it's only for emergencies or, or something like that, but if you get comfortable using it as a tool, I mean, I even use it to check the wind sometimes yeah. before I, I go out, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is a very good tool, and you can see topography. You can set it to see different tree styles. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a good tool, and really not a lot of money for for what you get if you use it a lot yeah i know it's definitely different it's different than some of the other map styles they have out the amount of multiple choices that you can get the multiple categories you can search with heck i even had it set up i was playing around with it it was able to show me where all the smoke from the canadian wildfires was wow Wow. So that is some serious pinpoint accuracy and to see rainfall on your map. Well, and it, it's really good for, you know, property lines and stuff too. I mean, oh, depending yeah. on where you're hunting, you can really get jammed up pretty quick if you go on somebody else's land. And uh, I know that's a big problem out West. I mean, that can be a serious issue crossing yeah. property lines, just to retrieve game. Well, my father-in-law, we went hunting, on the, an area of a property it was public land and we thought oh, I, I'm just following him I'm still learning and he says okay we're going to walk over this area over here and so I'm like okay we'll do this I went and looked where we were hunting there and I'm like oh shoot I wish we had this thing it was not public land <laughs> You'd have been surprised if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, what's going on? Oh, man. Luckily, it was the back end of a, like a cornfield, but I'm still thinking to myself now, wow, we did a boo-boo. Honest mistake, and you know, now, now you have the, the right technology, and you're being a lot more prepared and village, yeah. or, uh, diligent on it, you know? Yeah. Do, do you use any buck runs? Uh, I do. Um are you familiar with uh, uh, what is it? Uh, wheelchair woodworker. Yes. Uh, he actually made a grunt tube for me out of maple, and uh, I've used it, and I've, I've actually grunted some some deer in with it, and it's just such a beautiful piece of work. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't use any commercial grunt tubes, but he made me one about three years ago, and it's been my go-to grunt tube. Um, a lot of times, I'll just you know try to stay quiet, try to stay as as uh, uh, motionless as I can. And being in a ground blind, you know, I don't have to worry too much about motion. But yeah. I, I don't do a lot of calling except in in turkey season. Yeah, I did a lot of different style calling this year, and I called in three yearling fawns, one of which was a button. I called in the doe. I called in a buck, a fort, little forky buck last year with it. My uh, Phelps game called Buck Runt. And then obviously I called in my buck, my um, big 10 pointer that I got this year. So you've been very successful, Colin. I mean, that, that's probably a go to strategy for you then. 
yeah, I was going through the mix of utilizing the El Cheapo uh, Walmart brand rattle bag that I'd gotten several years ago, trying different methods with that. No avail. I did the, you know, the, good Lord, trying to think of it, the way the Bucks do when they're challenging. That uh, sound. I tried that a little bit, thinking that would draw them out. And then I also just did the grunt. So, and yeah, he popped out at 20 yards. Didn't give me the most opportune shot. I was just afraid he was just going to get out of range or so. So, took it. I got one lung and definitely hit a lot of arteries. Worked out just fine. Oh, he did a high kick, and he was laying down when I looked out. I didn't give him the 15-minute usual thing. I just was like, you know, normally when I shoot, they crash. Why, why has he not crashed? Here he is laying down looking up at me because I saw the high kick. That, that's a definite sign. I mean, if you see that, you know you got a pretty good hit on him usually. Yeah. So I got out there looking for blood, and I didn't see a single bit of blood. This was a pass-through. And it was just, you know, at that angle where it nothing's going to leak out a lot. Yep. And so I walk over to where he had entered into back into the woods because he was in a small little staging area with, you know, open brush. And I could see him through the brush. And he could see me and I backed away. It's always good to back out, give him some extra time. And uh, you'll usually find them. If, if you make the fatal mistake of chasing them up and, oh. and uh, you, you lose more deer that way, that I think, in my opinion, than, than any other fatal mistake is going after them too quick yeah. or, or jumping them. And I'm also glad you brought up the point about very little blood. You know, when mm -hmm. you and I are hunting on the ground, it's a lot different than somebody hunting in a tree stand with yeah. a downward angle, getting a, an exit wound on the bottom of the deer. Um, yeah. Using, using my crossbow, whenever I shoot horizontal into a deer, I very rarely get a whole lot of blood initially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's being a good tracker, but given, given that deer time, sometimes, you know, three hours before I go after it, if I don't see it fall right away. Yeah, that double lung is one of the most important ones to do because you hit both lungs. I, it's a guaranteed drop every time. Yeah. Because, yeah, they'll stop. They'll look back to where they got hit, and you just hear them crash, and it is big. So this is the first time I hadn't heard one of those. Well, you, you did did the right thing, and you got him, and you put your tag on him. So you're doing, yeah. doing everything you need to do the right way. Yep, and now he's going to replace that poster. <laughs> you're getting a uh, yeah. Uh, uh, shoulder mount of him yep well ho hopefully you have me on again and i can see the see the monster uh, on the wall behind you yeah right now we got a uh how to train your dragon poster wife put it up and i said yeah he's gonna go there ah, make an executive decision he's going there mm -hmm. we'll move the poster I'm, I'm pretty fortunate my wife allows me to have a lot of mounts in the house and i uh i'm, I'm really lucky that way that over the years, I've gotten a couple of nice ones with my bow, and she's never said, you know, hey, you can't can't put that in the house kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm fortunate that way. Yeah, price tags are a little getting a little steep, but they they do add up, and I think anymore, I'm I'm gonna maybe go with a European mount if I get a a nice buck, you know, with just the skull and and the the yeah uh, nice nice uh, nice plaque kind of deal. Um, yeah, I think that's in my future if I get a nice. Nice one. Yeah, I think unless it's going to be a record keeper sort of thing or, you know, my biggest buck ever, yeah, we're going to go your amounts from here on out. Yeah, they, they're they really uh, bleaching the skulls really nice. And, I mean, they're, they're a, a trophy to have. Yeah. So, not to get off of hunting season and mounts and all that other fun stuff, but you run the Accessible Hunter podcast, like I said, with – Mike Hudson. Mike Hudson, yeah. I am tired. Oh, it's been a long day. Yep. 
those 3 a.m. wake-up calls always get me. Definitely. So how has that been going? Because I know you started it with Mike, then you guys took some time off, and we, now you came back to each other and started working again. We did. Uh, we started the Accessible Hunter podcast a few years ago, and um, you know we really enjoyed it. And then uh, kind of COVID came into play, and everything kind of shut down. And to tell you the truth, I kind of lost a lot of motivation. I was yeah. uh, I, I was kind of just hanging back. I wasn't doing as much as, as I was capable of doing. So I kind of dropped the ball. And Mike and I were, were talking probably about six months ago about, hey, we should we should start the podcast up again. Mike and I are, are really good friends. I mean, he's he's an incredible guy. And uh, so we've been doing a weekly podcast for about six months, pretty religiously. Nice. And uh, just just like you're doing, we get to talk with people throughout the country about their uh, their disability and what they're doing. We also talk with people without disabilities that may have organizations. But we like to say we're trying to meet people where they are and hear about their stories. And I, I so enjoy just talking with people and, and learning more about how they're doing things and the equipment they're using and, and their experience in the outdoors. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. I had Mike on back in episode 41 in April of this past year. So well, you, you need to get Mike back on because I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but Mike uh, competed in the Marine Corps marathon just recently. And yeah, uh, I think I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's a guy that just, he amazes me, amazes everybody around him. And uh, it was Cameron Dorn, who's a world-class marathoner himself. He he pushed Mike in a, in a chair that, uh, you know, w- was not a lightweight chair by, yeah. by any means. Uh, it it uh, was made by uh, Spartan wheel chariots. And, uh. uh that this this chair and Mike weighed about 250 pounds total, so it wasn't a titanium model. And Cameron Dorn finished that marathon with Mike in under four hours. They were in the top, I think, 17 percent, and came in like second or something in in like the wheelchair division. And that was the <laughs> first first race, first marathon they ever did together. So and that's that's pretty good, actually. Oh my God, it's it's such an accomplishment. Mike will be able to tell you much more about it if you have him on, but he's yeah. an incredible guy, and we've been blessed to, to talk with some great people, you know, the last six months, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know I – it's a – I don't think it's a spoiler, considering the episode's airing after this one. So I had on a guest that uh, does uh, gator hunts. and that's, that's something I'd like to do. Uh, yep. You know, the weather's good anyway, right? Right. And, well, the season ended already, but he takes them out, and he he's partially deaf, so. Wow. He likes, yeah, so turkey hunting down in Florida, because he's from Florida, he, it, that just blows my mind, turkey hunting in Florida. Florida has so much game. It, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about bears, you're talking about turkeys, Deer, uh, it's it's an amazing opportunity. Um, one of the early turkey season in, seasons in the country is in Florida. It'd be pretty awesome to get down there and, and go uh, spring turkey hunting. Yeah. So yeah, old are, Florida are you familiar outdoors. With, are you familiar with Kenzie Burnside? Yep, I, I had Mike and Kenzie on or Mike on. I I think Kenzie might have hunt, hunted gators with with him. Is is that possible? Not that one. Uh, it was a different one. Different outfitter? Yeah, different outfitter. Uh, because uh, he he hasn't had anybody with a disability on yet. So Those gator hunters, I mean, those guys have to know what they're doing. And oh, yeah. can, can you imagine living in Florida and population control without people that, you know, offer gator hunts? And uh, oh, even, even like the, the iguanas, I mean, you get down to those you know small invasive species of iguanas and pythons and that kind of thing without active hunters you know i I don't know what states would do yeah and 
heck, you look at uh, Texas and all the South with the pig problem now. Without us, they would be out of control. Oh, exactly. I mean, fortunately here in Pennsylvania, I don't believe we have any wild hogs. I mean, there's been, been some reported, but I don't think it's a widespread problem up north here. But just the billions of dollars in damage they do yep. to crops and, and property. And I know hunters down south are doing everything they can to, to tag them and eradicate them and, you know, donate the meat and everything else. Oh, yeah, but it's they're, open they're a season. huge problem. Yeah, it's open season. I mean, imagine without hunters, they would have to pay government employees to go and kill these things. And they would probably pick the worst thing for the environment style hunting, uh, a oh, killing method. Absolutely. Sportsmen are, are the ultimate conservationalist. You know, here in Pennsylvania, we have so many auto accidents involving deer. And we have about probably almost 800,000 hunters that go out. And can you imagine what the, the ratio of accidents, how, how that would go up without hunters here in Pennsylvania? Oh, I imagine it's the same in Indiana and every other state. I mean, I think it was State Farm registered in Arkansas alone, 20,000 deer at, in accidents yearly. Oh, yeah. I, I think Pennsylvania ranks, you know, probably in the top 10 of deer accidents involving autos every, every year. And people, unfortunately, lose their lives in these accidents. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not just property damage. Yeah, so it's definitely something to have people that are actively wanting to hunt and take on that role because I know I've said it before and I've known looked it up. We are at pre-colonial American uh, numbers for whitetail now. You, you know, it, at one time uh, the deer population was so low in the country, and because of sportsmen's dollars. I mean, you've got the statistics, you know, mm -hmm. the white-tailed deer is probably the biggest success story in, in wildlife there is. Oh, that and the duck, turkey is another one. I know bison, they're still trying to work that one out. Well, wouldn't it be something to go on a wild bison hunt, uh, be able to take one with a rifle or a bow out west? I'd like to do it in Indiana. I, I literally it, have a bison har farm five minutes from my house. If, if you do something like that, man, I'll be tuned in watching it because uh, I think that would be cool to see. Well, it unfortunately, it's a farm. It's not a hunt, so pretty much I wouldn't be able to do that. But, yeah, I'd love to see bison wild back in Indiana. Imagine but, the guys avoiding, trying to avoid that during uh, the fall. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say bison are at the top of my uh, hunting list. Probably the first would be elk and then mm -hmm. bear. Then maybe bison would be number three. Caribou and moose. Caribou? Wow. I, I haven't even thought about moose, but that, that's got to be something to go after. So my number one hunt that I want to go on, either mountain sheep or goat. Wow. That, 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 uh, number one to get the tag, right? Because uh, it, it's like the coveted tag, right? A sheep hunt. Yeah, well, for me, it's not really about the hunt itself. It's more or less about the mountain. Climb, climbing it, the, the mm -hmm. get, getting out, doing it. That's the challenge. Yeah. Hunting's the easy part. It's yep. uh, Mobility. Getting, getting them up to where they're at. That's the fun part. And that's right. for fully able-bodied. So. Well, that, that's for anyone. You're, you're right about mm -hmm. that, man. That's... That's like the uh, Mount Everest, literally, of, of the hunting world. Right. So, do you want to tell anyone how to reach you and Accessible Hunter? Sure. You know, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through Facebook. If you just type in Accessible Hunter, uh, my, my page will pop right up. And um, for our, our podcast, it's the Accessible Hunter podcast. Um, I've also got a website, Accessible Hunter, but... It, it's more just as, as a placeholder, you know, for, for my domain name. The main yeah. thing is um, Facebook. I've got an Instagram page as well, but uh, I like to talk with people through, through Facebook. If I can assist anybody with any information about adaptive hunting or equipment getting outdoors, or if I can share in their success, you know, learn from them and, 
and spread the word. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate the shout out. Thank you, Greg, for coming on again. It's been a while, and I love that we had a nice, great conversation, and I'm glad that the dogs didn't get too out of hand. Not at all, Sean. And, man, I appreciate everything you're doing and, you know, advocating for people in the outdoors, brother. Yeah. Uh, it makes a difference for, for so many people, and uh, I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate the sentiment. So remember, everybody, stay adaptive. Stay adaptive.